regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and right over there is our co-host. What's going on, Dr. K? Oh, I'm fantastic. How's it going down in the big raggedy? Big raggedy. I don't even know what that is. What is the big raggedy? uh, I don't know. For some reason, I was like, I should look up a nickname of Baton Rouge, and it said the the Baton Rouge uh, nickname is the big raggedy. I've literally never heard that. Uh, you know, I was, born in, I was born and raised in New Orleans, which is um, the Big Easy. Yeah, but I've never, I've never heard the Big Raggedy. Yeah, it said the Big Raggedy or it red stick. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means in French, of course. All right, well, let's just blow right past that, man. So, uh, this is the online course show, um, and so I have an online course. You, you have an online course. Um, my online course is going pretty well. It's a, it's a piano online course. And I recently updated the course and the platform and getting lots of new students in there. Satisfaction is, is high. People are enjoying it. They're enjoying the new course, the new platform. Um, I've, I've received very little negative feedback about it so far. We'll see how that goes. And I know your wife signed up a couple of weeks ago. How, how's she doing in it? Oh man, she is definitely a super fan at this point. I mean, just everything, every time she talks about it, she's so excited. So, I mean, I have to say the little touches that you do uh, when somebody in the onboarding phase, I mean, that just lands so perfectly with her. So it started with the Bonjoro, then she got that package and you have a signed note card in that package. And she just, any kind of a handwritten type of note is just something Mm -hmm. that makes such an impact on her. Um, The entire package, of course, the t-shirt and the the book, she loves that. And then uh, she hates Facebook. She, She hates that I'm addicted to it. So she was raving about the idea that she can interact with your course and doesn't have to log on to Facebook. You know, the one thing I'd say, she's already working on her friend Mo to join the course. And so, you know, probably months ago, I said, dude, you got to give an opportunity for some people to start doing affiliates sooner. Mm -hmm. And uh, that did make me think, you know, there's still a place for that. So really, really just strong feedback. She's loving it. That's cool. That's all like the technical logistical stuff, though. Like, is she making any progress on the piano so far? Yeah, she is. I got to she 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 did a little concert for me the other day. So I got to hear her four chord song. Nice. And yeah, her hands are a little bit small, but it was still beautiful. Mm, That's great. Yeah. I've I've gotten actually a couple of DMs from her in my platform has the ability to DM friends and we're we're friends. Everybody's automatically friends with myself and kind of the two people on my team who helped me support the students. And you can only DM friends. And so I've gotten a couple of messages from her, which was cool. Um, But that's great that she's having such a good experience so far. It's good to hear that you know, that process. I don't, I, I don't get to hear like the exact story and timeline from everybody, like hearing that she appreciated the Bonjoro, which was like the first thing she got when she signed up. And then a few days later, she got the package and that for her, it was the, it was the handwritten note that jumped out. I'm sure not everybody appreciates that as much as her. And then, you know, having community, but not in Facebook. Awesome. And then, you know, the, I wanted to ask about the course too, because like, that's the most important piece. Like, is she actually learning piano? And I think the new version of the course is going to be by far the best yet at doing just that. So tell her thanks for that feedback for me. Definitely. It seems to be going well on my side. 
One quick question on our side. I think I had this attitude that most people, they really take your time with your course. They savor it, even though it's called Piano in 21 Days. And yeah. that might have even come come out some in some of my past comments and questions. It's like, oh, people really take their time with this. Val entered your course thinking she was going to do the entire thing in 21 days. What do you think that the average rate of completion is? How fast do people go through it typically? Yeah, so it's not 21 consecutive days. And that is one of the messages I got from her was she she was concerned because she didn't have her, her pedal wasn't coming in in time for the pedal lesson. She was like, Could, should I move forward? I, I, if I don't move forward, then I'm going to get off schedule. I was like, look, you, you know, take a step back. You don't have to go through it in 21 consecutive days. Um, I know if it were me, like I'm, I'm very much like a perfectionist and like want to, want to follow the, the right path and the rules. So I would probably try to do that as well, but I give people lifetime access and most people certainly don't do it in 20, 21 consecutive days. I get people going through it multiple times. And so I don't have any exact statistics on it, but it's, it's actually pretty rare that somebody would go through it in 21 consecutive days. Gotcha. Well, what are your big projects that you've been working on the last week or this coming week? Well, you you mentioned uh, affiliate program, and I don't have the new one available yet, but that's certainly a huge component here that I'm going to be rolling out. So that's something I'm working on. I'm updating some of the videos inside of my funnel. I've, I've updated my Evergreen uh, webinar to show some of the, the new features and uh, the new platform and so on. So I've got the new Evergreen webinar up. Um, and then working on the app, we've got the official um, app icon ready to go and all of the like graphical assets like the launch screen, the splash screen, and so on. So there's still a few more weeks before the app officially is available in the uh, app store. But that's, uh, that's a big initiative. So I would say just continuing to maintain the platform, working on the app and the affiliate program are the big things that are happening for awesome. me right now. Well, I'm excited to see all those come to fruition. Thanks, man. I'll continue to update on the podcast here and there. Well, over on my end, I uh, since we've started recording every other week, I have I have to admit I'm a lot more productive with my own projects. So, <laughs> so um, I do want to share kind of a crazy story that happened in the last week, and it does kind of start on a frustrating note. Um, over the last year or so, I've developed a symptom that really points pretty conclusively that I have Lyme disease. And so I started researching this and the story of Lyme disease is just, it's crazy um, on multiple levels. There's controversy surrounding it, but also just the prevalence in the United States. Like it's a big problem. Like uh, CDC estimates there's 476,000 new cases a year. And uh, they did a survey throughout the state of Pennsylvania and they found that 56% of the ticks in Pennsylvania currently carry Lyme disease. And so ultimately, with my background in creating courses and just uh, feeling comfortable being on camera, I was like, at, at some point, I crossed the line. I'm like, I want to create my, my synopsis of the situation, put information out there for people. And so I spent a lot of time creating this video. And I got it recorded last Tuesday. And then I edited it and things. I pushed publish Thursday morning at like 11.30. And one of the things that I mentioned at the end of the video, I, I said, I basically called out my fellow healthcare providers. And I said, you know, I want you to think about the patients that have come in and uh, who you might have missed sharing this information with. And I want you to think about reaching out to them. And I said, specifically, I said, I remember this 16-year-old girl um, who came in to see me a couple years ago. 
and her health was just nosediving. So she was having migraines all the time, fatigued, um, heart issues, brain issues. And she was going to different doctors and no one was giving her the answers. And I said, I can't remember her name right now, but as soon as I publish this, I'm going to look up her name, try to find her on our, on our schedule from a couple of years back and reach out to her and share this with her. So I push publish at 1130, like 1210, I hear the phone ring and Sherry at our front desk says, I can just hear her. She says, oh, what's your name? And when's the last time you were in? And she says this girl's name and I, my eyes got so wide. I was sitting in the back office and I came up front. I said, no way. I said, that's the girl that I just mentioned in this video. So she called in like 40 minutes after I pushed publish in this video where I specifically mentioned her. I couldn't even remember her name before that. So anyways, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's some kind of miracle or ESP or, or just the craziest coincidence ever. There's no way that she saw the video, uh, but I'll get to share that with her. I'll get to share that with her tomorrow. So she hadn't been in. We hadn't heard anything from her since January 2019. And she wow. called in, called in 40 minutes later after That's the strange. video got published. I was thinking that you were going to say that she saw the video as soon as you published it and then came in. There's no way that she saw the video. Well, I guess you'll find out more information tomorrow. But that's, uh, man, that's wild. You have Lyme disease. You, is it, have you confirmed it? It's not confirmed. I mean, that's the thing that I have to go over in the video is that the tests are like terribly, terribly bad, just so bad. And then medical doctors, um, because of some of this controversy, they're, they're totally not helpful. There was this group. Well, it's, it's so deep, it's hard to get into. But there's a video out there. If somebody wants to learn more, I mean, you can search on YouTube. Just search David Crozy Lyme disease. Um, there's a podcast called Patient Zero. And it's by it's put out by New Hampshire Public Radio. And I would honestly tell you, whether you're interested in Lyme disease at all, if you have symptoms or not, this is one of the best podcasts I've ever heard as far as just being this combination of like education, entertainment, and just uh, it's so well done, so easy to listen to. So yeah, you can certainly look into that more. But again, always trying to bring it back to the listeners. Um, you know, if you're out there and you have never put out video content, I mean, as I thought about making this video, this was that girl that called in 40 minutes after. She was the one that I was making that video for. And so if you're out there and you're like, I know something that somebody else might want to know, I encourage you just to think about that one person. Even if you think about just one person that you're like, this person would want to know this, make the video for them and just, just let that drive you to put out that first piece of content where we've already said it's not going to be good, but just put it out there. <laughs> well, I just Googled uh, David Crozy Lyme disease, as you suggested, and clicked on the first result, and it took me to the YouTube video. And this is, a, it looks like a really well done video, man. Is it, did you use a green screen? Oh, yeah, yeah. You did? So, okay. yeah, and I'm getting compliments on it. I use green screen. I, I use the teleprompter, my parrot padcaster nice. teleprompter some. And uh, yeah, I'm already getting a lot of feedback. People are like, whoa, this is amazing. So yeah, always trying to level up. And I'll tell you like, man, every, everything you do in an online course is a learning experience. So mm -hmm. trying to use a teleprompter without having your eyes like zigzag back and forth as you're trying to read. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is hard. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's something you got to practice. Everything at. is a learning experience. Yep. I've got my parrot uh, podcaster all set up because after we get off this call here today, I've got several videos on the in the queue to record. So I'll be I'll be reading off the teleprompter here shortly. But no, this video is is it looks awesome. I didn't even realize you had a green screen. Uh, um, but, it's oh. it's four sheets of green lime green. Uh, just uh, like uh, what would you call them? Like posters from Walmart. 
No way. Okay. Yeah, that's all it is. And then, of course, once you get the digital SLR, it's going to blur the background. Mm-hmm. And so there'd be these little lines on that, but that that takes them out. Mm, cool. Well, look, the last thing I'll, I'll say about Lyme disease, I, I didn't realize that you probably had it, and I've heard you know that it could be very miserable. But I've um, I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about it, and he he dealt with it for a year or two. And one thing I remember him saying is that the, a ketogenic diet really helped him get through it. Have you heard that? Yes. Diet is huge. And that's where, when I look at the list of symptoms in 20, uh, let's see here, 2010, I went, I I did a purification program, cut out all the grains. And that was like this turtle total improvement in my health. Like I was kind of nosediving before that. So Mm -hmm. I tend to think that I would have way worse symptoms if I hadn't changed my diet way back in 2010. I've been gluten free since then. Oh, nice. Okay, cool, man. Um, well, thanks for that update. Um, obviously, hope it, <laughs> hope it goes well. I, I hate to hear that, but it sounds like you're relatively on top of it too. I mean, you've already made a 35-minute video about it. Right. Um, all right. Well, anything else before we get in the conversation of today? No, I'm excited to chat about podcast on the, on the back end. Yeah. So Lauren Wrighton is our conversation of the day. And just to set this up a little bit, what I love about her and her business is the, the simplicity overall, right? So she's she's pretty niched down. She's not just teaching, for example, how to be a virtual assistant. Like She's teaching how to be a podcast manager. And we'll get into the conversation uh, in the conversation about like what that means, but it's, it's pretty niche down. But then within that niche, within that business, she's got basically one funnel and one course. She doesn't complicate Anything. Well, actually, there might be a couple little things that she compliments, uh, complicates. If I said if I said compliments, I meant complicates, and we'll talk about that on the back end. But but that's what I love: just the simplicity, one funnel, one course. Big fan of that. So, without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Lauren Wrighton. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I, I was telling you before we started recording, recording, but it is a like torrential thunderstorm here. So we'll, we'll see if it comes through the microphone as, as people are listening to our conversation. And, and hopefully we can get through this whole thing without losing power or anything. But um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So on your side, let's start with who is it, who is it that you help? And, and, and do you have a course that, that helps them to accomplish that? Yeah. So I help freelancers that want to become podcast managers. So it's a pretty unique place, uh, but pretty much it's people that are virtual assistants. They they want to work online in some capacity, in some service-based way. And they love podcasts. They identify as like a, a podcast addict or a podcast lover. And so then when they hear about this opportunity that they can work behind the scenes on podcasts, they're like, this is totally my jam. Do you have to, do you have to ever... Um, like have to convince your tar- like virtual assistants that this might be a good fit for them? Are they just coming to you? They, they already know that they want to niche down, be a podcast manager, and then you're the perfect person to help them. So it is a new field still, because you know the other options that they can ha- they have as a freelancer is maybe they do social media management, maybe they do uh, Pinterest management. There's other fields that they can go into. So podcast management is a newer place to be, but everyone in that space knows podcasts. So they see, oh, well, duh, there's podcast managers because there's p- there's business owners that are starting podcasts and they need some help. So 
I wouldn't say that I have to convince them, um, but a lot of them are like, wait a second, I haven't heard about this. Explain to me (laughs) what this really is. Well, I mean, I've got a podcast that has over 170 episodes and I've never really heard of a podcast manager either. I've got multiple Mm -hmm. people on the team that kind of handle different aspects, but there's no Mm -hmm. really one person that's like the podcast manager. So Mm -hmm. what, what are the tasks? And maybe it's just everything. Like, are they even going to the extent of editing the audio? What, What does the podcast manager do? Yes. So you bring up a great point. One of the one of the values that a podcast manager brings to the table is that they're taking that project and being that project owner. So they own the podcast on the team so that the podcaster, the, you know, their client doesn't have to think about all of the different people doing what they're, you know, doing the different pieces. They're ma- that p- podcast manager is making sure everything at the end of the day is ready to go for launch. But what they do, if we get into the nitty gritty, is they generally edit. They don't necessarily have to, but they generally will edit or they'll have someone on their team that edits. But editing is generally part of it. You know, scheduling, uploading, writing an episode description, writing show notes on the podcaster's website, creating social media graphics, creating audiograms, which are those graphics that have the clip behind them. And then also doing things like guest management. So booking the guests, communicating with the guests that are going to be on the show. And then an an additional service that some podcast managers offer is pitching their client, the podcaster, to be on other podcasts. Interesting. So yeah, it sounds like you 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 help people try to do everything if they want to, to want to do everything. All mm-hmm. of these different components, you teach all of that inside of your course. I teach everything besides how to pitch your clients to be on other shows. I send people elsewhere for that because, yeah, you, you can't teach everything, right? <laughs> the, the fewer things we can teach, the better. So I teach guest management, editing, writing show descriptions, show notes, pulling stats and analytics for your clients, and promotion, usually through social media. Gotcha. So so right now, I basically have one person that handles like the techie audio editing side of things. And then another person that handles more of the, the show notes and the, re- the final review and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you're saying it's possible to have one person do everything. What um, for some, you know, typically that other person that's doing the show notes isn't as technical, isn't an audio engineer. Do you have like tricks uh, or special software that you help people learn to use to who are not audio engineers to do the actual editing? Yes. So I teach them how I got started with editing. And what I found actually with podcasters is that the person that's just starting their show, they need some help. Maybe they have a budget of $500 a month. They can't afford an audio engineer and someone to manage all the tasks. So they're looking for a person that can do all of that. Can they do every single thing the best? Probably not. None of us can. But the, but the, the person's doing it great enough and with their budget, it makes sense. And then as the podcast manager gets better at certain things and they find where their skills really lie, then they can kind of hone in on whatever it is they're, gra- they're great at. And if it's not editing, then you know they, they bring someone on their team that, that wants to edit. Editing is so time consuming. So some people don't like doing it long term versus some other people love editing. So then instead, they want someone to come on and help them with writing show descriptions like the writing piece they don't love. But also, you know, using your team as an example, you have this audio engineer and then you have the person doing everything else. That person that's doing everything else could consider themselves a podcast manager if they're making, if they're taking the stress off of your plate of managing the other person. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. I, I totally get it. Um, but I also see the value as long as they're putting out a quality product in them actually doing the editing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what software do you recommend for the editing? So I recommend Audacity. And some of my students have gone on to learn Audition, which is an Adobe product. So Audacity, which if someone's interested, it's at audacityteam.org is where you could find that. But it's a free system that you can use to edit and record, actually. But And then versus uh, Adobe Audition is a paid service. And I've been doing this for a handful of years now, and I haven't upgraded myself to uh, Audition yet because Audacity does the trick for me. I, I love it. So that's what I recommend to people because one thing that I try to focus on with my students is that they can do this. The te- They don't have to be overwhelmed with the tech. They don't have to feel as if that they know everything to get started. So I try to keep it as simple as possible on for them to say, you can use Audacity and only use Audacity. Yeah. When, when I first started the podcast and I was doing the editing myself, I was using Audacity. We use uh, Audition now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how to use adi- Audition, but the person that edits the audio uses it. But I've been. Um, I've been fascinated by the software Descript lately. Have you Have you looked into that at all? Is that a viable editing software for podcasts? Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. I haven't actually used it on any of my of my episodes or my clients' episodes. But to and to give people an idea of what it is, it's basically extracts ums and other pauses and such that you would remove as an editor. I am, I love editing. Uh, I don't edit my own show, but I still have clients that I edit for. So it's not up my alley because I'm like, wait, no, it's definitely going to miss something. (laughs) There's no way it's going to be as good as I want it to be. But I like to see podcasting products like that come on the market because it shows that podcasting is booming. So I like it for that reason. And I, some of my students have tried it and use it. But for me personally, I I don't want to trust it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, we haven't used it. We've looked into it a little bit. It seems like a possible viable solution for somebody who isn't as techie. And Mm -hmm. one of the features that looked interesting to me is it'll auto transcribe stuff. And then you can edit the audio like, how you normally would in Audacity or Audition um, in kind of the timeline, or you could go to the transcript and like delete a sentence and it removes it automatically from the audio. I have heard that as well. That's pretty wild. It's wild. And that part does work. The part that I'm not sure works so well is they have this other feature called overdub. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. This is creepy. You ready for this? They supposedly can like learn your voice. And then not only can you like remove stuff, but you can type in and add stuff. And then the the podcast host's voice will it'll create it for you. Wow, it's wild. Wow, yeah. <laughs> to think that like <laughs> I don't want to go here, but like you could just like you could just basically make up words. That you could just yeah. have the person. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Makes yeah. me want to play around with it. <laughs> it makes me want to play with around with it too. But then you know my uh, my podcast manager could then literally put words in my mouth. So it's it's kind of scary at the same time. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to your course a little bit. What is the name of your course? It is called the Podcast Manager Program. Wow. That sounds very straightforward. <laughs> it is. It is. And so um, is that that's the only course that you offer that's kind of your, your bread and butter there? Yep. How are people finding, finding the course, finding you? How are people coming into your world? Mm-hmm. So the way that people are finding me is through learning about virtual assisting or becoming a freelancer. So they get introduced to this idea of, hey, I can work online as a service provider. And there's a handful, more, way more than a handful of people teaching this online. And they're maybe they're going through someone else's program to become a virtual assistant 
or they're just learning about this and they're going the DIY route and then they hear about me, they're, you know, they're getting ready to niche down. They're looking for a specific service they can get good at and they learn about me and they love podcasts already. That is the way that most people are finding me. So I'm not attracting a lot of people that are like, I'm just a, I attract a lot of moms because I'm a mom. So I'm not attracting a lot of like stay at home moms. Usually they know about virtual assisting or freelancing before they find me. Interesting. Yeah. I've had a couple of of different like virtual assistant trainers, um, course creators on the podcast, uh, Abby Ashley, Gina Horky, those mm-hmm. are the types of people that that are teaching virtual assistants. And then maybe once they go through that program, they want to niche down and find you. Exactly. Very cool. All right. So they come into your world. I'm on your your site right now. Your main site is just laurenwrighton.com, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And you really want me to attend this webinar. I make it very clear that the first and only thing that you need to do is come to my webinar. Okay. So so let's talk about the webinar a little bit because I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the software you're clearly using, mm-hmm. um, which, which most people visiting probably don't wouldn't recognize the software. But why like why do I have to schedule a time when it's when it's not a live webinar? So I find that this is a way that people it's when they then when they find me and they're like, okay, what 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 do I do? I, they go to my website or or however and they see the webinar and it says, hey, there's one happening in 15 minutes or hey, there's one happening in a couple hours. They know that that's when they can find me versus if I were to, let's say, have it as like an opt-in where I'm just going to send it to them in their email, then they might sit on it and not watch it. I know for myself, especially for me to watch something that's longer than like 20 minutes, I have to be told, hey, this is when we're doing this thing. So that's what I found to have worked for my audience. So it's it's kind of like what you would, the, the way you would like to be marketed to essentially Mm-hmm. Are you, I haven't, I haven't watched your webinar. I've kind of gone through it a little bit just to see how you're doing things. I haven't watched the content itself, but are you, are you like pretending it's live? No. So it was recorded live. So okay. there are the people can, so it was recorded live. So I'm talking to people on it. Like I'm saying, oh, Hey, this person asked this question. So they have this live feel, but in the chat, so there's a live chat that's happening. And at the top of the chat, it says, Hey, this is a recorded you know, live webinar. This was recorded live, but this is a recording. So if you have specific questions, feel free to email us. So they know from that, that from that key that it's not live, but then they can also, they can type in the chat with us as they're going. And those messages also get sent to me. So yeah, they, they, they know that it's not live. Okay. I'm, I'm actually in, in your webinar right now and it's Ooh. muted and I'm just like looking around and I noticed that the chat going through, but I did see that message where it said, Hey, this is pre-recorded. Um, and that's where I was going to, what I was going to ask you next was about, it looks like I can actually leave a comment in chat. Um, but that, that, that goes to your email. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you make it clear that it's, that's pre-recorded, which is good. Like a lot of people do what you're doing, but like pretend it's live and then mm-hmm. people will chat and it's like, they get upset because nobody's addressing their, their comment. So it sounds like this is the the overall just middle ground that you found to work best is yes, they do have to schedule a time. Yes, I'm using ever webinar, but I'm I'm trying to make it as clear as possible that this is pre-recorded. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So how if you're doing it that way, like how are you, if at all, like implementing scarcity? Are you saying like, hey, you know, you get these bonuses, you get this price if you buy by the end of the webinar? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing bonuses. So they get a bonus if they purchase within the first five days after 
watching the masterclass, then they get a bonus. So the price doesn't change. The bonus is a discovery call script. So it helped a lot of what my audience is looking for is they they believe that they can learn the skills, which is part of my course, but they don't know if they can be confident in talking to potential clients. So the bonus is, hey, here's a script that you can use on your first discovery call. Do you do you sell your course outside of the kind of funnel? Like, can I buy it from just your website? So yes and no. Uh, If people really want to know the curriculum, so, you know, I get I get questions of, hey, can you show me the curriculum? I have a sales page. And so they can buy it off of the sales page after looking at the curriculum. So I'm on your I'm on your homepage right now. Is that a link somewhere that I can find? So go to laurenwrighton.com forward slash course. Mm-hmm. And that is the sales page. And then if you scroll down to like, to, there's a button that says, I want to become a podcast manager. If you click that, then you can purchase. Okay, so this is this is a page maybe you can send to people if they ask about it. This is not something that's really forward facing on the that people can find on the main website. Correct. And paying full price is four ninety five. So is that the price if I were to buy it during the webinar as well? Mm-hmm. Yep, same price. Okay, so the advantage to buying it during the webinar, really during the funnel, because you said five days is this bonus. Correct. Cool. There's a lot of different ways to do this, right? Some people discount the course uh, during the funnel versus regular. Um, Why did you settle on this approach where it's always the same price and my funnel, the goal of the funnel is just throw in an extra bonus? Well, for two reasons. One of the reasons that I really want people to come to the masterclass is because I want them to know what podcast management is. And I also cover some mistakes that I see people making so they can learn something on the masterclass, even if they don't buy. So that's one of the main reasons I want them to get that education before they purchase my course. The other thing is that I feel really passionate about pricing and how I don't like to discount my course at any point because I think that shows people that it's actually not valued at $4.95. If I tell them, hey, you get $100 off if you buy on the webinar, then they're like, wait, so what's the value? Is the value $400 or is it $500? Is are, are you are you losing money or am I actually just paying a hundred more? I think there's just a lot of like things there that it's like, wait, it confuses me as a user when it's like, oh, sometimes their course is, uh, you know, 500, sometimes it's 99. So I just assume it's actually only worth $99 when I know my course is worth 495. I completely agree. I, I have the same philosophy. My course, my piano course is 497 and it's always 497, even on Black Friday, even like, even when you're in the funnel, in fact, my the way my funnel works is it's either available or it's not. I don't have an extra bonus in the in the funnel. The cart closes and then you cannot buy after the mm-hmm. cart closes. So mm-hmm. when when the five days is up, you're on the last day. Um, you're saying, "Hey, last chance." That's all about the bonus. Like I can still buy the course after the deadline. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you? What are you using to 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 implement that? Are you using deadline funnel? No. So whenever, do you mean like for just getting the bonus? Well, no, what I mean is the the evergreen deadline part of it, right? So I opted into your funnel uh, a little while ago. So I'm guessing in about five days, you're going to tell me that, hey, this is your last chance to get the bonus if you sign up. If I try to get to it the next day, then I'm assuming I'm not going to be able to get to it because you're doing it in an evergreen manner. What software are you using to make sure that actually works? So this is actually how I do it. It I just send you emails through ConvertKit five days after the webinar. 
that say, hey, your, your bonus is going to expire. Your bonus is going to expire. So if you were to go and try to buy the next day, you're going to buy a different product that doesn't have the bonus, but you can still go buy. Okay. So is it is it the same order form the whole time or is it a different order form? How are you tracking that? Yeah, it's a different order form because it's two different products. It's like two, it's as if I have two different programs. One has the bonus and one doesn't. So you can okay. buy, yeah. Okay. So if if in two weeks from now, I click on one of the links that you sent me like tomorrow, what's going to happen? Am I still going to be able to use that order form that's got the bonus on it? Yes, you could still use it. But that rarely happens. And if and when it does and someone gets a bonus, they're like, oh, I got the bonus and I wasn't supposed to. And I just do a happy dance for them. Okay. So the, the way you would get around that, just so you know, is with a software like dead, Deadline Funnel. So that once the deadline happens, now when I try to get to that old order form with the bonus, it would redirect to, to the new one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's how your funnel works. Once, once kind of the deadline happens, like how are you marketing people to people? I assume during the five days, you're probably sending a good amount of emails. And then after the deadline happens, you're just sending less emails. Mm -hmm. So after the deadline, I then send an email on Mondays and Thursdays every single week. So, and I have a space or two. So if let's say that they ended the five days, the post webinar emails ended on Sunday, it would actually wait, I think I have it set at three days. So then they would only get the Thursday email, they wouldn't get the Monday email. But then I have a email sequence set up where they get emails Thursdays and Mondays for six months. Wow, that's, that's a lot of emails. So how are you? How are you framing those emails? Are you are you pitching your course at the at the bottom of all of them? Or they're just pure value emails? So one's a value email and another one is a call to action. Well, they usually both have call to actions, but one's a a very strong value email, mainly just value. The second one is a call to action, either, hey, go watch my masterclass again, or I I actually don't push people to buy straight from that email. I just basically say, hey, come hang out with me again. Mm. see if this is the right fit and then buy is, is my is my approach to it. So I'll either drive people to the podcast. I'll drive people back to the masterclass. I obviously wait a bit to do that. I, I believe that I wait a whole month before I say, hey, come back to the masterclass. But I mean, as you know, some people sign up for the masterclass, do, do not attend live. They read my emails. They think, ah, this sounds, that's, this sounds good, but I'm not going to buy. So then if I ask them to watch the masterclass in a month, they think, you know what? I actually want to watch it now. And then they actually go watch it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what you're trying to do over the like first six months. If I go through and after six months, I still haven't bought anything. What happens? Or do I just not get any more emails from you? So I, you know what I actually do? I feel like this is going to blow your mind for some reason. I actually just send people through that six months again. Okay. <laughs> just repeat six every I'm six just, months. You're hanging out with me in your emails for a long time. <laughs> and they get the exact same emails, but it's it's so many that it probably if nobody really probably ever notices that it's the same emails. Right. And as I've built this out, I've also gone back and updated some. You know, I'll think, oh, I have an email about that. And that's I've changed, you know, this has changed because the podcasting industry is changing so quickly. Or also I'll as I've been putting out more podcast episodes for myself, I'll then think, oh, this goes with one of those emails. So then I'll like change an email so that it drives them to the, a specific episode. So I've changed them a bit, but yeah, they don't remember that they've gotten the email before most of the time. Where where did you learn this whole this whole overarching strategy from? Is it did you learn it from somebody or is it something you kind of made up on your own? 
No, I learned it from Haley Burkhead. Okay. That's where majority of my evergreen approach has come from. Okay, cool. Well, I, I'm not familiar with who that is. What is what is her specialty? So she considers herself a sales coach, and but she has a program that teaches you how to turn a course into an evergreen funnel. So 100% what we're talking about. Oh, excellent. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this relatively on autopilot here, and I love how like simple it is. Like You've got one program, and you've got all this automation and effort really trying to get people into the one program. $500 program. Um, I mean, rough, you don't have to give me exact numbers or anything, but like you, you're making a few sales a week, you're making a few sales a day. Like how, how is this whole thing working for you? Yeah. So I, I make about five sales a week is my, is my really my minimum for myself. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's, really on autopilot. Of course, we all know that I do coaching calls for my students. So I'm I'm doing things all the time, even if it's on autopilot. But the sales mechanism is really on autopilot. And I'm re- focusing on just getting in front of more of those freelancers and sending them through it. Okay. So once somebody signs up, what does it look like inside the course? Like where where's the course hosted? And mm-hmm. what are you offering other than just videos, like interactive components, other bonuses, and so on? Yeah. So there's really three sections. There's the course material, which is in Teachable. There are coaching calls, which I'm just actually adding. I used to do when I first started the course in 2019, took a break. I'm back at them now. So we have weekly coaching calls. And then there are two there are really two main bonuses and the the one of the bo- not the bonus that we talked about earlier but uh, one of the bonuses is that we have a certificate process so they can get a certificate of completion and what they do is they submit a clip of them editing something that they've already edited they submit a social media graphic and they submit a description a written description of an episode and then we give them feedback based on what they've submitted and then we we send them with the feedback we send them a badge that they can use on their portfolio proposals website that kind of thing so we have that yeah we have that program which i found i mean it's great for them to get feedback of course but i found that it helps with their confidence because a lot of people are like, this is so, like, can I really do this? And I'm like, well, let me tell you if you can. Send me what you've done. I'll tell you if you really can land a client. So I, I like that piece of it. But the other bonus that we have is a higher form. So we, I, whenever I talk to podcasters and they're looking for someone, I don't accept clients anymore. I'll send them to my higher form. They submit their information about who they're looking for, what their budget is, that type of thing. And then that goes to my students. That's cool. What do you have community? Can they interact? Yes, yep, with face, yep, yep. Facebook group as well. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned um, this training. I think was it Haley Burkhead? Is that who you said it was? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she helped. She helped you take a course um, and and really build an evergreen funnel ar- around it. What mm-hmm. did it look like before that? Did you have the course already and and you were just kind of struggling with how to sell it? Yes. So, well, a little bit of that. So. To, to take a step back, I, I tried my hand at a couple different passive income things before I became myself a freelancer. So I once I was vegan, I had a vegan ebook I tried to sell and all sorts of different kinds of things like that that I, I didn't know quite enough and I, I definitely didn't have an audience. So then I, did, then I found out about freelancing and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it was awesome. And then I, I niched down into podcast management. Uh, but... I was very against 
passive income. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I love providing services. It's a lot more consistent. You know, there, there is a ceiling, but hey, you know, I can make three three to $5,000 a month. I'm happy. I'll just do services all day. But this was in 2019, January of 2019. And I was in this community of freelancers and they're like, how did you get into podcast management? And I had had a podcast and that's how I taught myself this. I had a, just a hobby podcast with my friend. And I, I, was, I was like, I don't want to, they wanted me to create a course. They wanted me to put something together. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> I really don't. But I, I'm not going to say no to an opportunity. So I, I put together, we basically did a beta launch. It was $50. I had, you know, 10 people at first and then 20. And it, that's how it started. I eventually moved the price up to 200 And then once I went through Haley's program, which was in the beginning of 2020, so I had it for a whole year where people were just tr- trickling in. Like I had maybe one or two sales a month. I had absolutely no sales mechanism. I wasn't even putting out like consistent content or anything. It was just there. People would find me through like my services basically and and that kind of thing. So then I then in the beginning of 2020, I, I did the masterclass and all of that. With, with Haley? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you started at $50, go up to $200. Now it's at $500. Was that scary every time you raise the price? It's It was scary because it wasn't scary like I thought, is anyone going to buy this? I knew that it was definitely worth $500. But I thought, well, if I'm going to really raise the price, I have to take this serious. And am I ready to take it serious? Am I ready to spend half of my time on this? So that that was the decision I had to make. But I wasn't scared that, oh, I don't know, if people going to think this is too expensive? I wasn't. I wasn't worried about that. So you were talking earlier or a little while ago about how you weren't necessarily into passive income and you were good with the services, but now what you're doing now is is not 100% passive income, but it's way more than just trading trading dollars for hours. Um, how, how do you feel about passive income now? Well, I still love services. I just love working with people in that way. So that's why I still have two clients. I'm like, I'm not ready to shut that down. And then I see my students working with clients and it, it's very fun for them. So I obviously love what I do. A lot of the reason that I'm here, though, is because this is such a growing field, podcast management, and I feel like a duty to share what I know. So if 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 I were to do this in like if it was 10 years down the road and there was already people teaching this, I might not have done it. I don't know. So so you've been really had the, the evergreen part of this dialed in for about a year, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like it's going really well. What, what's what's been like just like a cool story or something something you may have been able to do as a result of having a successful online course or even just uh, impact you've been able to have on some individuals? Yeah, well, for me personally, I had my third daughter in April, last April. And, you know, it was the middle of of the- Three girls. Three girls. Three girls. Yeah, three girls. I have two girls and that's, that's, wow, you have three girls. (laughs) Yes, three girls. So yeah, third girl was born in April of 2020. And I took the whole month off for maternity leave. I wasn't going to take too much time off, but I I ended up taking about six weeks off. And this was in the middle of quarantine. And my course ran like a dream. So I think that was a huge personal win for me. And I had, you know, I was still doing client work. So I had gotten ahead of my client work. And that was a that was a lot of work to get six weeks ahead of work. So I put a ton of effort into getting ahead for them. But for my course, it was just like, you know, I have a couple, I have a couple people on my team that 
that stepped up in some ways and it was great. So I, I would definitely say that was a personal win for me. And then as far as my students go, I think just witnessing that light bulb moment where they go from not knowing how to edit, not knowing how to launch a podcast, anything like that. And then they have, they have that first client that they launch a podcast for and they help that person get their message out. I love seeing that moment happen for people. Very cool. Let's let's kind of go the other way a little bit. Like, w- was there a moment where you you were just like, oh, I don't think this is going to work? Like roadblocks, obstacles. Like, tell us tell us about a time where you you were kind of on the low side, not the high side. Yeah, for sure. I would say that the lower sides for me are like when I get like twenty five emails from one person with too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm very kind, but I'm not customer service 100%. So I'm like, I need someone on my team helping me with customer service requests. And when you get a lot of questions, like fr- especially from students, you wonder, wait, am I not explaining this well enough? Is my course actually not that good? Is Am I missing something? So I think those moments are my lower moments of, of doubting the course material, doubting if I can help people. But what I've kind of come around to is some people just need more handholding and you know, we have systems in place to hold hands. Um, but then I also try to empower them to, Hey, you can Google this. I know you can do it. <laughs> I know you can, I know you can learn this. So I think that's a, a true, a real balance for me. So at this point you, you, you said you have a, a small team, you got a lot of automation. There's not a, there's not a ton you have to do after the sale. You do a little bit of interaction, but what what does your like day to day look like? Like what what is other? Than, let's throw out the two clients you still have. Like what are you actively doing in your business now? So I only work about two or three hours a day because mainly because my girls are still really young. I have a almost five year old, a three year old, and then my youngest one's almost ten months. So my girls are really young. Two of them are in part time preschool. So I I love working when when they're at school and such. But my day-to-day life looks a lot like a mom life. <laughs> I, I do a lot of time in the car. I do you know, a lot of playing on the ground with, with my baby. So what I'm actually doing in my business on a regular basis is I have a podcast. So I record podcast episodes. I, I look for visibility opportunities. So maybe once a week, I'll have an, a, a visibility you know, whether it's a podcast interview or a summit or something like that. So that's that's a consistent thing that I do. Um, you know, I have these coaching calls. And then it's just tweaks and, you know, and, and some emails and and just kind of the the, cert- the certificate of completion that I explained myself and a girl on my team will give feedback on those. So I do that weekly. And, and yeah, it's 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 fun. What how, how would that be different? Let's say you never created an online course. You're still doing the freelance the freelance side of things, the services, you got three little kids. What would what would your uh, life look like without the course? So my life, if I, yeah, if I would have just not done the course and I would have just grown my podcast management business, I definitely would be more tired <laughs> for sure. Because I was at one point I had seven clients and just were, I was just working evenings. I was working seven to 10 PM and I would usually get one client done. And then I would have to you know, you only have seven days in a week. I'm not gonna work every single night. So I'd have to like find time to do like the one other person. And it was just every hour that I worked was essential. Now I feel as if like when I sit down to work, I can be like, okay, cool. I feel more creative. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Not, not really like, what am I going to do? I have nothing to do. But like, it's, it's a lot more dynamic 
versus podcast management is like very consistent. You know, every single week, edit, publish, show notes. Okay, let's go. Next one. You know, it's it's a real machine. Yeah, I've got, I've got a three and a five year old as well. I don't have the baby too. Um, so props to you for, for for all that. Three girls, man, three young girls. But and only two to three hours a day is, is impressive. I, I work a I work a full time schedule, and I, I struggle to kind of turn it off. Right when I'm not when I'm not working and I'm hanging out with my family, I, it's a struggle. I'm thinking about my evergreen funnel. I'm thinking about the sales. I'm thinking about my students and stuff. Do you, do you have that struggle at all? Definitely, and especially with you know not being able to go a lot of places right now, I I find that you know going to the park. And I live in Indiana, so it's I think it's 18 degrees today. <laughs> we're we're not going to the park right now. Yeah, so like in the winter and, and such where we can't go as many places, if I'm home, I find myself thinking about work a lot more and wanting to check on thing and things and such. But you know, in the summer where we when we can go to the park and go, you know, to the pool and those things, I find like when I'm out of that, out of the house, I can I can focus on my family life a lot easier. Very cool. Um, looking back uh, to, let's say, the day when you decided that you wanted to make an online course, knowing everything that you know now, what would you have done differently? Hmm. I probably would have taken it serious earlier. So I, I like that I did a beta launch. I like that I started small, that I really stayed in tune with who my audience was, the people, you know, who those real people were. But I think that if I would have just done that for like a couple months rather than like nine <laughs> And would have then just said, okay, now we've done our beta launch. Now I can raise the price. Now I can take this seriously. Now I can really dive into it. I, I think I would have just done that earlier and had faith that it was the right decision. But I'm I'm happy at the same time. Yeah. So the the people listening to this um, are both aspiring course creators and existing course creators. We're pretty even split between the two. And you, you've obviously been both, right? Before you created the course, you were aspiring to be a course creator. So if you could, I mean, if, if you don't mind just offering advice to those two different distinct groups of people, given everything you've said before, like for those that don't have a course yet, but want to have a course, like what, what's your advice? And then those that maybe have a course, but they're not to your level, they're struggling to, to really make it work. What's your advice to that group of people? Yeah. To the aspiring person, I would say, talk to the real people. Listen to what they're actually saying. Listen to the words that they're using. Because when you use their words back at them, they're like, she, he or she gets me. They, they are listening to what my real concerns are. So, you know, even whenever I go to like make a new training or like I'm right now, I'm updating my masterclass. I thought, oh, I'm going to change it because right now it's all about working with less than 20 hours a week, but I'm sure they probably want to know about something else. So I pull my audience and they're like, no, we, we just want to learn about how to do this at 20 hours a week. We don't we don't really care as much about if we have lack of experience. We want to know. So it's like I I always go back to that. Listen to them, don't just make up things <laughs> in my own head. So that's what I would say to the aspiring person. To the person who's maybe new at this or they're growing their course, I would say don't overcomplicate it. Always always pull back. Always always trim. You know, e- even with course material. Oh gosh, I struggle with this. It's like someone asks me, "Hey, can you Hey, I'd love for you to teach on this. And I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to add it to the course. And like, the more we put in our programs, the more diluted it gets. And at the end of the day, I think that our job as course creators is to provide a transformation. And if we have, if we have too many things in the course, they can't get to the transformation. So it's like, it needs to be, it needs to be very clear to them. This is what you do to get to the transformation. 
yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's one of my big takeaways here is just how simple you have everything set up. And I, I completely agree that people like to overcomplicate things. So um, yeah, lots of, lots of great lessons here, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, Lauren Wrighton, laurenwrighton.com. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Dr. K, welcome back. Thank what you. did you think of that conversation? Oh man, I got to say BTBD. That's break the bachelor's degree. So anytime that I hear of a course creator who's enabling people out there to skip college, to not need college, to make an income without having to go and get that four-year undergrad degree, they're a hero in my book. So Lauren, I'm calling you a hero. And uh, again, anytime we have one of these creators on and they're they're enabling people to make a full-time income, make the income they need without without that undergraduate degree, I'll probably repeat that statement. So BTBD, break yeah, the bachelor's degree. Totally. is it, It's getting easier and easier to find a path that doesn't include going to college. Is, is, is BTBD, is that something real or you just made that up for this conversation? No, I made it up. Okay. I might've said it on a past episode, but yeah, I just, I, I think that as, as course creators, we're on the forefront of a, a movement. Yeah. Well, you know, that, re- that reminds me, uh, you know, my friend, Jonathan, uh, Mendonca of the choose FI podcast, you know, I helped him launch his first online course and it was about podcasting, but then have I told you about his second online course? No, I mean, I know he has one in there on, on, on in his talent stacker on how to do Salesforce. Yeah. Salesforce. So, so Jonathan is so passionate about this very topic of, of not going to college, like finding other paths to a career to, to business uh, success and income that's that doesn't include college. He feels like that system is very much broken and he wants to help people um, discover other paths. And so that's kind of the idea behind his talent stacker brand. But he released uh, a course a few months ago in conjunction with somebody who, who knew about the Salesforce thing on, I think it's called Salesforce for Everyone. And I don't know a lot about Salesforce or even about the program, but my understanding is that they teach people to be a like certified Salesforce consultant. And literally within like three months, people are getting 80K a year jobs, like with, with no experience, not like it's amazing. Apparently the course is just going uh, like insanely well. And it's producing these um, amazing success stories of people. Like uh, one of their main marketing messages is, Hey, were you laid off during the pandemic? Like you can literally be having an, uh, you know, 60 to 80K a year job within three months and it's the success rate is extremely high. Yeah, another one to call out. Uh, so Lindsay Marsh is somebody who's a very popular instructor on Udemy and Skillshare in the graphic design category. And so I've been following her progress and her growth over the last few years and she's put together this portfolio where she's now created her own platform. And the, the marketing message that she's putting out on Facebook is, become a graphic designer. So this entire career, and I was scrolling through her landing page and it's, I mean, she really has this feedback from people where they're creating this entire income as a graphic designer just by taking her course. So congratulations, Lindsay, on uh, moving to your own platform, getting that going. And, and yeah, I just, anytime I see somebody creating these opportunities, super exciting. But you can you can go to college and get a degree in graphic design. Yeah, for 140 grand in four years. Yes, at least. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I have a graphic designer on my team, and, and the, I certainly wasn't looking for. I, I don't even know if he went to college or not. I have no idea, and I, I don't care. Right. Oh, All man. I care about is was he is he a good graphic designer? That's fascinating to think about. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, obviously I care about like team player and attitude and stuff like that and drive, but um, at the end of the day, he's, he's a good graphic designer. I don't care where he learned it or how he learned it. Right. Well, so on the, on the topic of podcast, I'd like to get your opinion. Who should be creating a podcast? Like, let's think about the different types of course creators out there. Mm. Who do you believe should create a podcast? Yeah. And, great. Who, and who should not? Great question. So I don't have a podcast for piano in 21 days because I feel like that niche, like teaching a musical instrument, you kind of need to be on camera, like showing the instrument. I guess there are certain things that we could do with the podcast, but that I would say is like, that's not a good fit. Right. But when I went to create this brand, I was like, Oh, we're just like talking business, talking courses. Sounds like a great fit for a podcast. So I would say as long as you don't have something that, that really people really need to see, then, then you're probably a good fit to have a podcast. Okay. So a follow-up question to that, what do you think about a short run podcast? Like, you know, I mean, it's kind of comes back to the question, like Lauren mentioned near the end of the, your discussion, she said, before she raised prices, she asked the question, am I ready to commit at the level needed to justify that value? And so what would you say if somebody's like, I kind of want to create a podcast, but you know, I might only do like 12 episodes and then just set it aside. Is that still valuable? Yeah. Um, think, or what I do think you think so. about that? So this is, this is an area I'm certainly not an expert in, but we mentioned Talent Stacker a few minutes ago. There is a podcast. There's a Talent Stacker podcast that people can search up and look up. And what Jonathan did is he, he released five episodes all at one time, and he hasn't released an episode in, in a couple months. And that's, that's kind of the approach he's taking. Like People are finding the podcast and listening to those five episodes, almost like it's a, a, a little course or something. And it's not mm. something that he's just releasing weekly. So based on that, that, that one example that I know of, it sounds like what you're talking about can absolutely work. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Just like some people want to learn about somebody that they might buy something from through a website, others through YouTube videos, and, and the podcast just gives people one more way to jump in there and get to know the person. So Yeah. So for example, maybe I could create a Piano in 21 Days podcast, but not have it be an ongoing forever thing. Like, let me think of, you know, five to 10 episodes that could work with just an audio medium, maybe explaining the process or talking about why certain avenues of piano learning haven't worked so well and why so many people like took piano lessons when they were a kid and don't actually know how to play today. Maybe I could just have a podcast up there and, and make it like a one-time project, five, six, seven episodes and just leave it up and see what happens. Well, exactly. And that comes back to what demographics are going to actually buy your course. Uh, you know, it's possible that if we say highly educated millennials, you might say, well, they're not my main purchasers right now. Well, maybe if you had that podcast, you would actually see the percentage of highly educated millennials grow mm -hmm. if you created a, a 10 episode podcast. The only, the only downside I would say, or the only negative thing that, that I would say is when I'm looking at podcasts or like searching for new podcasts, and I see that the, the, the most recent episode is months or years ago, that's, a, that's kind of a turnoff for me mm -hmm. to subscribing or even listening. I'm not saying I wouldn't listen, but I like to see that it's, it's something that's uh, constantly being updated or regularly being updated. I don't know if other people feel the same way, but that's, that's when I'm looking for a podcast, that's one thing I look for. Correct. I think that uh, I agree with you. What I would say is that if you went into it with the attitude and the messaging that this is, this is a brief run, one season podcast to explain this concept, to educate people. 
I mean, you come into it differently. What doesn't look good is if it looks like somebody's a quitter, the, the person who started the podcast is mm -hmm. a quitter, which is what we see more of. And that's where, yeah, if you went into it and said, this is a one season, one season podcast, you might be able to overcome that negative uh, impression that you and I would be discussing when people do just quit. Cool. I like it, man. That's, that's great. Uh, great idea. So I had mentioned uh, before this episode that I'd be curious to know a little bit more. I thought it could be valuable for you to share a little bit about the, the process of reaching out and getting podcast guests. And this is something that for the listeners, it could provide value if they're going to start a podcast. But then also, when we think back to the episode with Jessica Rose, the context of collaborations and just can you share a little bit more about how you open the door to somebody that maybe is uh, one step of popularity above us? Um, how do you open the door to somebody and make make them actually respond back to an email or a message? Well, having a first of all, just having a podcast is one way to get people like that to respond to you. If you just reach out and maybe ask some questions, or um, you don't necessarily have a platform for them to be able to come on, it, it's a different story. But if 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 I can reach out to people, hey, I have the online course show. You have an online course. I'd love to have you on. Um, and then link to it, and it does have some reviews, and um, it, it is it, it's not a brand new podcast or anything. So that's that's the first key. And then beyond that, to be honest with you, it's kind of a numbers game, right? So we have a relative template that we use to reach out to people and just talk about how we we found their particular course, found it interesting, and we feel like based on what we've seen, they could really offer a lot of value to our audience and also provide them a little bit of exposure, but. I would say most of the the outreach that goes out, we don't even get a response to, right? So that's why you know when we were doing one a week to get to get an average of like one guest actually booked per week, we would need to send out three to five outreach emails, and then maybe two would respond, and then one would end up actually booking for an interview. Gotcha. Would you be willing to read that first email that generally gets sent out to somebody? Sure. The true, yeah. The true initial email. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that right now, and I'll I'll kind of skip the the direct um, parts. Or how about you mentioned you mentioned Jessica Rose? So how about I pull up the exact email we sent to her? I love it. Okay, so the subject is: Could we talk about your online course? Question mark. And then in parentheses, it says podcast interview request. So I want to be very clear about you know what this actually is. And this one uh, to Jessica, who was on uh, an episode a few few episodes ago. I said, uh, hi, Jessica. I host the online course show, which focuses on everything that goes into creating and running a successful online course. I'd love to have you join me on one of my next episodes to talk about your take on online courses and the story behind Jewelers Academy. I've got my own successful online course, Piano in 21 Days, which has been quite a ride. So the idea behind the podcast is to talk to others who run online courses on a variety of subjects. I'd love for my listeners to hear how you got started, what has worked, not worked for you, and anything else that could help listeners who are looking to turn their own skill set into profitable online courses. It goes without saying that I would be happy to promote your website and learning opportunities as part of the discussion. Please let me know if you're open to doing an interview or if you need any additional information from me. I look forward to hearing from you as I think this would be a great opportunity for interesting discussion and could provide a lot of value to my listeners. Jacques. P.S. Here are some frequently asked questions about being on the show and provide a link. Um, and when you click on that link, it's like, you know, how long is the interview? Like, is it is it PG rated? Um, 
is it video or audio? Like a lot of just the main questions somebody would have in one place. So that's the template. What do you think? I love it. It sounds really good. So do do the course creators give you like do all, have all of them agreed that you can video uh, have the video and publish that if you want? Yeah, nobody's ever ever turned that down. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only thing if I was to add any input again, just really trying to look at any kind of outreach and saying what's in it for them. So, uh, you know, maybe saying something like we, uh, you know, we we'd love to give you as as many benefits from being on this podcast as possible. Um, we try to give you some great SEO juice with links to your your website from both Piano and 21 Days, you know, rated super high and the online course show. And then uh, our whole goal is to make you look like a hero, give you something that you're excited to be sh- to share with your course members, your mom and that guy or girl who ditched you in eighth grade. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, but overall, yeah, just it sounded great. And obviously it works. I don't know if those little tweaks, you know, it's always what can you yeah, sometimes I wonder what what really is is in it for the course creators. Sure. Yeah, and in a lot of cases there's not much in it other than just, you know, having a conversation. Like if there's so some niches will cross over in terms of the audience maybe being interested in their course, but in a lot of cases like um, you know, what Tian Chu like weaving, I don't know that anybody in our audience is is would actually purchase her course. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. But this is a, you know, business related. So if somebody had a course on like how to do great video or, um, uh, something like that, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot clearer that it could benefit them in terms of actually getting sales. All right. So the discussion of that service descript, I found myself looking into that a bit and specifically the idea of overdub, the idea that you could write a sentence and uh, it would make it come out in Jock's own words. So I thought this is a great opportunity for pranks. Uh, (laughs) So I wanted to call out your podcast editor's name uh, or your podcast editor. So I wanted to, uh, to test this overdub. And so I'm going to (laughs) call out, I'm going to call out to the podcast editor and ask him to run this sentence through overdub and insert it in here. So I want to hear Jock saying, I'm quitting piano and popular songs. It will now only play the accordion and polka music. (laughs) So so just to warn you, so I've actually been playing around with these scripts for the past week or two. And I've found that overdub works a lot better for like one or two words and not entire sentences. So we can try it. um, But I'm just, I'm very nervous about how it's going to turn out. So I'd, I'd be very interested to hear it. Give me the sentence one more time. I'm quitting piano and popular songs and will now only play the accordion and polka music. I'm quitting piano and popular songs. Well, actually, I don't need to say it because we're just going to insert it with overdub. Correct. Okay. I don't. I, <laughs> okay. I missed that. All right. Ready? So we're going to insert the overdub in three, two, one. I'm quitting piano and popular songs and will now only play the accordion and polka music. And of course, we're, we're, as we're recording this, we didn't hear it. We don't know how it turned out. All right. My well, guess is a sentence that long didn't go great. But so let me, let me, I'm glad you brought up Descript because I've actually been playing around with it for video editing the past couple of weeks. You know, I mentioned in the intro, I updated my Evergreen webinar, which is, uh, I would say 60 to 70% slides with my voice. And then the other you know, 30% is, is me actually on camera. So that 70% where it slides in voice, Descript was amazing for video editing. Amazing. 
there were a few parts where I wanted to insert or change a word here and there. And I used overdub and about half the time it sounded great. And the other half, it was like ah, a little too robotic. I don't want to use that. But just as a, as a video editor, especially with slides and voice, unbelievably amazing. I would hmm. definitely recommend people check it out. It's just so easy to drop in your slide exactly where you want it. Basically it's video editing. You can edit video based on the the words you're saying, like the transcript. So if I want to remove a certain part or here's here's the, the top use case scenario. When I'm recording something, sometimes I'll mess up and have to record it again. And so if I see in the text, in the transcript where I started to say a sentence and then I had to start over, I can just highlight where I messed up, hit delete, and it edits the audio. Wow. Yeah. Really powerful. It's really cool. The robots are taking over the world. Yeah. A little scary too. <laughs> and actually, now that I think about it, um, we have users in Descript and right now, like only my user is allowed to even use that feature of overdub because of the, you know, the potential security concerns that's, you know, another user could come in and, and have me saying things that I don't necessarily want to say. Right. Like online courses stink and piano stinks. No. <laughs> All right. So I liked how Lauren overcame one of the top mindset hurdles that people have, and that's a fear of overwhelming people's inboxes. Mm -hmm. She's sending out two emails a week for as long as people stay on the, her list. And so I was just curious, Jock, I mean, you got this whole list of things that you're planning on doing. Um, are you at some point planning on doing more of the value emails um, in between the actual launch sequence? Is that on the list somewhere? Yeah, our plan is just every we're getting we're starting cranking back up YouTube right now. Um, we're going to start it every two weeks, possibly go down to once a week. And just every time we release a new YouTube video, we're going to email that out. I think that's the, the best way for my particular audience to learn is through video or to get value is through video. And so as I make videos, I'll email those out. All right. Yeah. I'd love to see a stack of the written testimonials below those YouTube videos as well. As somebody mm -hmm. who subscribed to your list, um, see the new YouTube video and then just scroll down the email and, and see those testimonials because you get some amazing testimonials for sure. Cool. Thanks. So near the end of the discussion, her advice was to simplify. This is what you mentioned beforehand. And uh, I need to hear this. I, I still try to overcomplicate things. I mentioned a while ago, that I created a course for potential actual chiropractic patients at my in-person clinic. And I called it fix the pain, level up your life. And it really was this like comprehensive how to have a better life course. And it didn't <laughs> land. It was, it was too big. It was too complicated. Not very many people signed up. And so one of my projects right now is just to do this course, which is just fix your back. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, it's so obvious, like keep it simple. And it's basically going to be a webinar. And then the stretch and exercise routine is going to be the bonus if they watch till the end of the webinar. And obviously, I don't know, I just needed smacked a while ago. You should have smacked me. But um, any any thoughts, uh, simple versus next level with where you're at today and your experience? Man, it's it's the best way to get started. One course, one niche, one funnel. I get people coming to me like in next level courses and it's like they have, you know, 26 courses and they're, they're all over the place with their funnels. And they're like, Jacques, why, why isn't this working? Why am I only making a thousand dollars a month? I'm like, well, dude, you like, you're doing way too much. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just really confusing for the visitor. Whereas with Lauren's site, you know, her, she's at laurenwrighton.com. It's very clear what she can help you with. 
it's very clear how to enter the funnel. And there's only one funnel that I'm aware of. And there's only one course offering. Like it's all just so clear for the person going through that. And then it's like, okay, do I want to be a part of this or not? It's not, okay, which course do I want? Which program do I want? Which funnel am I in? Am I in multiple funnels? Right. It's not how to have a better life. That's a very broad course, Dr. K. It's uh and it's it's a very specific niche here. So that's that's my big takeaway from this conversation. Nice. All right. So a last question. You know that I'm a podcast addict and I'm going to admit I'm in a little bit of a podcast drought. I don't have something I'm super excited to listen to at the moment. And so can I ask you, do you have any uh, podcast recommendations from recently? How about the Graham Cochran show? I went and listened to a couple episodes of that. I'm, I'm looking at my feed right now. It looks like he just released episode 100. Awesome course creator. He's He's been on the podcast. Super, super just humble, nice, awesome a uh, genuine guy. Uh, I know him personally, and he's got a great podcast, The Graham Cochran Show. Got it. All right. Very good. So, man, are we really not going to talk about like Ever Webinar and the, and the deadline stuff? Mm, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, I, t- I chatted with Lauren a little bit off air afterward, um, and, and and we had we had a great discussion. And I shared with her my video about how I switched from Ever Webinar over to the system I use now. Um, and, and that's all I could do. I mean, for me, I feel like it's a better experience to just give them the video and not have to schedule a time. And then for me personally, it converted better, but obviously this is working. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay with her using every webinar. Um, it's not something I choose to use, but what I'm not really okay with. And, and I don't know if I made this as clear as I could have, but not having a genuine deadline. I'm, I just really, really, really don't feel good about that. And I, and I told her about that too. And it, sometimes you just don't realize. You don't realize it. Um, you can have blinders in certain areas. And the fact that she was telling people like the bonus is going away and then it doesn't actually go away, I don't think that's the right way to do things. I was a step more okay with the way that she had it done than you apparently um, in okay. the sense that courses require people to, in general, do the right thing, to be honorable. As a course creator, number one, I mean, you could say, yeah, I want to do deadline funnel, but it intimidates me. Um, but then at the other end, you know, we could practice as course creators and say, everybody's going to try to steal our stuff anyway. They're going to pirate our videos. And so the way that she did it, I mean, she just says, you know, in general, people only buy from the email that says, this is your current offer. And can they go back and, and get it the other way? Well, yeah, they can. But could they sign up for your, um, for anybody that's tech savvy, they could sign up for deadline funnel again with a different email. I mean, I'm a step more okay with it than you are apparently, but it's like she said, most people just buy from the email that says this is your current opportunity. Yeah. And I guess she is doing, she is doing it right in the sense of, okay, the, the link that goes out on the email that says, this is your last chance includes the bonus. And then the next email that goes out includes the link that doesn't include the bonus, right? If she, if the next email had a link that included the bonus, then that I would say, I think we would both agree that's definitely wrong, mm-hmm. right? But what you're saying is because most people are only clicking on the one, like the most recent email anyway, it kind of, it kind of works. She's kind of doing deadline funnel without deadline funnel. Is right. that what you're saying? 
Yes, but also think about the audience that she's promoting to. These are tech savvy people. So the people that are in her audience, a lot of them would probably know that they could go back and just enter a different email and ride through the series again and get the bonus. Yeah. So, but you yeah, know, the, deadline the whole funnel, concept of the audience as well. Yeah, your deadline funnel does have ways to to link it to like an IP address as well to e where even if they do use multiple email addresses, it's still genuine. Deadlines funnels try tries to make it as genuine as possible. But as really? a are you yeah. serious? Mm -hmm. So no way. So yeah. if I really well, that's news to me. Yeah. But like if you if you go if you change your IP address with a VPN, or you go <laughs> to a different computer and use a different email address, so there's not a whole lot they can do about it. But um, yeah, I know like Jack Bourne, the creator has even I've seen a video where he he was, you know, he lives in Australia. He's a, he's, uh, he's American. He lives in Australia. So he was taking a trip back to the United States and he like, he opted in for something in Australia and then got on the plane, went over to the United States. Just, he just wanted to test how well it was working uh, on that video. It was really cool to see um, in a completely different, just like time zone hemisphere and all that. But I think at the end of the day, my point is simply this. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say this course is not going to be available at this after this date, then it shouldn't be available. If you say that this bonus is not going to be available after this date, then it shouldn't be available. As a general rule, that's what I would say. Got it. <laughs> but I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the the pushback a little bit um, on that. And I totally get what you're saying. Anything else? Oh man, that's all I have. Okay. Well, this has been episode 173. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dr. K. Thanks, Lauren Wrighton. So she's at laurenwrighton.com. Uh, looks like a very interesting course. Looks like an awesome path to be your own boss and be a podcast manager. So definitely check it out. Or if you just want to check out her funnel and see how she's doing things, once again, laurenwrighton.com. And thanks to you all out there for listening to another episode. You can find the links and show notes from today by going to oc.show slash 173. And until next time, get out there and make some next level courses that provide transformation to your students and not just information. Take care, everyone. Thank you.